I um, grew up next to um, some neighbors and they were British. And one of my favorite sayings was, I don't give a fish's tits. The Broadscast. Broadscast. Broadscast podcast. Sam Chang. I'm here for her takedowns of fools. Georgia Twist. I had a moment where I thought that's not his name. I'm going to redo that. Danielle Huntley. Fuck you, Sham Vanessa Yang. Jing. Vanessa's entire purpose to make me feel old. Expert lag reporter Mallory. I don't like to be bamboozled. Vic actually just got the sweatshirt that says Mock Girl Summer. This is our impact. Our impact. Hi, and welcome to the broadcast. Thank you for joining us, uh, your local hockey girl gang, to talk hockey usually, but today we're not talking hockey. I'm Mallory, and I'm joined this week by Georgia, Sam, and Danny. Sam, if you would like to kick it off with our highs and lows. This week's high is from a lengthy dm that we got and it was really nice and it's from ryan l and it starts hello broads long time listener first time caller huge fan of the pod listen to your stuff whenever i have a long car ride or i'm at work and then there's like a side note where he asks for the name of the person who dragged jamie ben after he subtweeted katie and just in case anyone missed that episode it's other Danny, it's at Airsign Menace, and if you don't follow her, you absolutely should. She spent a good part of today dragging Tyler Sagan, and because he said he was going to read, like start reading, because he was so bored from being in quarantine. I believe she referred to him today as Good Night Moon, which I had a good five minutes laughing to myself at my desk. So at Airsign Menace, back to the high. He continues, I really enjoy the amount that you discuss enjoying the game while acknowledging the bad parts. It's certainly something I felt, especially around knowing the long-term health effects that the game can have on the players. Your interview with Tyler Mott was absolutely wonderful to hear. I love to hear the personalities of the players, and I think y'all did a great job showcasing that. And then he suggested that maybe we should consider doing a merch line around Braden Holtby, which is like not a bad idea, and we should consider it. But that was my high of the week. Low of the week. I don't think we had any lows. We've we've been like pretty low key. I guess my personal low of the week is that like people got real real salty about me posting a barstool logo in response to who is the worst fan base in sports. Um, got a lot of responses that were like just L's and bad take. Got a lot of snitch tags for the attack dog dude who's like a 65-year-old who got famous for using Facebook. Sorry, is that supposed to be a comeback? Like you had to tag in some 65-year-old from New Jersey whose like claim to fame is making fucking memes of Dave Portnoy. Like congratulations, you suck at thinking thinking of things on your own. And that was my low of the week. But it was also kind of a high because it was hilarious. I will say that 65-year-olds from New Jersey like probably still can fight. And Barstool fans are the worst. Like who calls somebody's work because they didn't like a tweet? Barstool fans. This is football heritage. Colleen Rooney is Wayne Rooney, massive footballer, his wife. Mm -hmm. And somebody on her private Instagram account has been selling off stories to the Daily Mail. Colleen Rooney turned amateur sleuth. You just don't know which way to believe. And where's it going to go next? Colleen Rooney and Rebecca Vardy. Wagger for Christie. On to better things, which is, this is like English Premier League slash WAGs, mostly WAGs, (laughs) 
We're talking about the very important court case that is going on between Rebecca Vardy and Colleen Rudy. And I guess I'll just start off by explaining what a WAG is. Because I know we mention them all the time. And I've definitely been like talking about WAGs before. And somebody's like, what does that even stand for? The answer is it's wives and or girlfriends. And it was coined in like the mid 2000s by the British press. But like the whole thing with it in general was there was like the 2006 World Cup. So that's like peak Perez Hilton tabloids TMZ time. And it's like close by. It was in Germany. Other like girlfriends of the English team, they're prominent in their own right. Like Victoria Beckham. I don't think Cheryl Cole was married to him yet. So I don't think that was her name. But from Spice Girls and Girls Aloud. So they like had their own clout to start with. And so basically, there was just like this wag circus of following them all around. It, it was incredible, but it also led to a lot of statements of them being like distractions to the players because um, they lost in the quarterfinals. And when you can blame it on women, they're going to. Yeah. And then, then in the 2010 World Cup, England's team um, banned the wags. They were not allowed to come. And then they lost even earlier. So... They often lose earlier. I'm just saying. Like, I know this. Good. They suck. They're, they like, suck. notorious for bombing. They always it is not hopes. coming home yeah. ever. No. <laughs> but, like, the importance of the entire 2006 Victoria Beckham and Co. Um, really did, like, make Wagdom desirable. Like, as in, like, there's something desirable. Like, you can get fame yourself out of that rather than just having the attachment of fame. Um, And, like, they really influenced a lot of fashion and culture. Like, the whole, like, bug-eye sunglasses thing is very Victoria Beckham. But also, it's both positive and negative because people, like, either didn't want to be like them or they did. So I know, like, Hermes, like, wasn't happy that, like, Victoria Beckham was, like, partying with her Birkin. So 2006 is upheld as the zenith of the Wex because... Yeah, it's both where they start and where they peak. Yeah, it is. What happened, according to journalistic reports, Victoria Beckham got, so the WEGs weren't allowed there before, like in previous World Cups, and then Victoria Beckham like got David Beckham to advocate for them being there. So they all showed up, and they essentially just like partied their asses off. Power to them. Like, you're in Germany, like your husbands are playing football. They were apparently going on like $50,000 shopping sprees. They were partying until 7 a.m., drinking champagne with individual bottles of champagne with straws in it, stumbling around bad and bad, and, but having a good time. And while they were doing it, they were wearing like Uggs and bug-eye sunglasses, and they were carrying Birkin bags, and they were like rocking everything that we now associate with mid-2000s <laughs> fashion. And pleated miniskirts. Yes, pleated miniskirts. And like Victoria Beckham was the queen bee of this. And then Cheryl Tweedy was there. Obviously, Colleen Rooney was there. But there's like a bunch of people. And then what's fascinating about the 2006 World Cup and coming out of it is so they were both vilified and like upheld in the press as being these kind of icons or whatever in their own way. And then when they left... They all got a bunch of, like Colleen Rooney left and she got a three million pound modeling contract from it. So they like monetized themselves pretty well. And then, yeah, the 2010 World Cup, they were banned, which is very funny. And I love it. I mean, by 2010, Posh had kind of 
started moving away from like full on wag. It was yeah. the beginning of when she started. Well, cause I like, think that also a big thing about like, she was like trying to set her identity away from the Spice Girls. And I think that like becoming Victoria Beckham was her way of doing that. And that like entire media circus surrounding that allowed her to do that really yeah the so another thing that they were really associated with was spray tans that was like spray tans and hair extensions um so hair extensions yeah which is like it's really funny to think about because now we kind of look back and we're like oh it's so tacky like all this kind of stuff but that was like the shit at the time some of that stuff is coming back like some of the stuff is starting to come back oh god i mean i'm a tan person with really long hair so i'm just like a (laughs) If I see somebody in like a yellow juicy couture sweatsuit. Oh yeah, the juicy sweatsuit. It's too. over. It's over for me. Yeah. So the other thing that's really fascinating about the 2006 World Cup, it was like really promoted as women invading male space. And that's like part of the reason why they lost. There's like so many gender, weird gender dynamics going on in terms of that. And then the other thing actually I wanted to say was when you were talking about posh or Victoria Beckham like moving away from wagdom uh, I was reading an article and I was talking about how she really knows how to manipulate the press and how a lot of people argue that she like (laughs) is a quasi chameleon in the sense that she will change her public image to suit her best and so during wagdom 2006 it worked And then when she realized that she wanted to be like a proper businesswoman and she wanted to be taken seriously in the fashion world, she shed that to the point where she literally removed her breast implants. Victoria Beckham, I said this and like, I said this this week, we were just like talking about this episode coming up and I legitimately think one of the most important cultural things of our lifetime is Victoria Beckham getting her breast implants taken out to become more high fashion. I really love- I think about it a lot. Like I, so she was always my favorite Spice Girl, as we all know. And so I've always just kind of followed the posh story. I remember lining up at Aritzia to get the Victoria Beckham Rock and Republic jeans with the like crown on the, on the ass that were like insanely expensive. And I saved up literally like every paycheck I had that summer and then spent it all on those jeans, which are still somewhere in my closet. But to go from that to, listen, she tried to get on the cover of Vogue. Like, I don't know how many times. And Anna Wintour was like, this bitch is not going on the cover of Vogue. And so she had her breast implants removed. And now Anna Wintour sits front row at all of her fashion shows. And, you know, you can say that's manipulation. I prefer to call it intelligent and like PR savvy. Well, and also back to like Georgia, like talking about like women invading male spaces, like oftentimes, like we don't mean it this way at all, but like WAG can be seen as like a pejorative term because of like, it's where it developed kind of, as in like blaming them for men's failures on the field and like being distractions and stuff like that. But it's just fun. I love refer it like specifically refers to sports wives and girlfriends, but I think it's incredibly funny to refer to anyone as a wag. Like any significant other is a wag, regardless of gender. I think one interesting thing about the British press in particular and their relationship with wags is the idea that they were to blame for men's failures. But at the same time, they're also just they also consistently use WAGs 
as and like the ways in which their partners mistreat them as like their number one sales tactic. Think about how many covers they sold from like David Beckham cheating on Hosh. And then like the whole Ashley Cole thing, like the story from the hairdresser when he was cheating on Cheryl Cole, like right as she was like the most popular on X Factor. They simultaneously blame the women and also use the tragedies in their life as like a profit source. Like that's all they ever use WAGs as. And obviously like none of us are British, so I don't actually know this, but I think that there aren't as many like celebrity culture and like tabloid culture is still a lot more like prevalent. And also like the idea of somebody being somebody's like wife is enough baseline for us to be interested in what she's doing. We don't have that same relationship in in hockey. Um, no, particularly not, I mean, in Canada. Not at all. I think there's stuff. There's like some stuff in the states. There are like a couple of TV shows, and like it's you see it more with like basketball um, and football than you do for sure with hockey. And I think part of that definitely stems from just British tabloid culture. They love the shit, <laughs> and you know, like there's a weird thing when we talk about the way that they were blamed. There's a really weird relationship with football in England where the English team somehow symbolizes, you know, the health of the nation Um, and them failing at the World Cup somehow signifies like English national identity is on the decline. (laughs) So who do we blame? The women, because that's what we always do. So there's really weird stuff with that. I think the other thing that's particularly fascinating about WAGs and in Britain, is the class dynamics. So most of the women who end up like in these positions, other than Victoria Beckham grew up like upper middle class, but people like Colleen Rooney or Rebecca Vardy or Cheryl Cole, like they're working class people. And so for a lot of like ordinary Britons, they see them as these somewhat Cinderella-y stories, but also just more ordinary people that have ascended. And I think there's much more of a fascination with that than there is with, you know, just your run of the mill kind of elite celebrity uh, in a way. I feel like them in Royals. And I wonder sometimes too, if Canada was terrible at hockey, like England is at soccer, would we feel the same way? Well, maybe not us, but you know, Canadians who like view hockey that way. I wonder, because like, yeah, England's, (laughs) they're trash. They can't get it done and they'll never get it done. They don't even come close. Danny is wearing an England jersey right now. As of recording, like, she is slandering (laughs) them, but she is wearing their jersey. Yeah. (laughs) I, like, we, um, it was funny, like, the 2006, um, I was on vacation camping in a hotel with my dad and we were in the hotel away from everyone else so we could watch get up at like 5 a.m and watch England play I'm looking up the last when was the last time England won the world cup like 66 it's in like the 60s yeah yeah and it's like because that stupid it's coming home song it has not been home for a very long time (laughs) no it has not been home Oh, the other thing, so I was reading, I obviously, because I'm me, I delved into a bunch of like academic scholarship. There is actually like a scholarly peer-reviewed journal called Soccer and Society, which is very funny to me that it's a big enough market for like academics. Anyway, most of the research focuses on the role of the WAGs 
in like the powerful role of the WAGs in upholding and maintain like maintaining the patriarchal and heteronormative structures that make up sport. So particularly when they're talking about football, the WAG tends to be characterized as this supportive, lesser than domestic figure or as the trashy dancer or whatever that is hypersexualized. Like there's these two kind of characters that appear in the t- in tabloid culture. But what's really interesting is that Victoria Beckham defies all of that by being viewed as more dominant in her relationship to David Beckham, more powerful and wealthy than him. For the most part, they're, they're upheld as being this kind of there to prove the masculine like virility of male athletes. That's kind of the tendency uh, to portray them in the press, which is not great, but that's how sports works. I think even with Posh, it took a while before that happened, right? Like there was a significant period of time where he was the more dominant partner in the relationship before she built a fashion empire. And between when the Spice Girls ended and when she was having her solo career, she was definitely not the more dominant person in that relationship. And I think that was actually kind of around Bad and Bad and when WAG started. And same thing with Cheryl Cole. Like, I would say at this point, she's probably the more successful person coming out of that relationship with Ashley Cole. But for pretty much the entire time they were together, maybe towards the end, she was more popular because of Girls Aloud. But for the most part, he was still kind of the bigger, bigger deal. And she definitely got sexualized role because she was a pop star. And also she had, like, there was, the discourse around Cole was super classist. Like, she was, I think her nickname in the tabloids was Queen of the Chaps. Like, it was, it was pretty horrendous. Yeah, because she's Geordie, right? So she has, like, a really thick accent. Also, like, the most attractive person I've ever seen. (laughs) Cheryl Cole is, like, stunningly beautiful. Well, the thing about Victoria Beckham is in the British press, she was seen as being more dominant because she, they depicted her as she was the one who chose all their outfits. Like she dressed him. So she like wore the pants. And then also there's this interesting dynamic. And there was one scholarly article that I read that was just directly looking at the media narratives surrounding 2006. And it compared Posh and Becks and Colleen and Wayne Rooney. And there's a lot of differences. Obviously Colleen and Wayne were like, significantly younger, um, Northern working class people like Posh and Becks were kind of their own media circus. But a really big distinction was the fact that David Beckham inhabited this, I don't even know if we use this term now, but metrosexual identity where he was into fashion. Like he would do weird shit with his hair. He like was very much not that like working class chav like, guy. He wore a sarong. Yeah, a sarong. yeah. Yeah. And he's like, He's clearly very comfortable with his sexuality, but he didn't evoke that like typical, like tough, hardline masculinity. And so because of that, the dynamics in the relationship, it was seen that Posh was like more, more dominant, which is really interesting. Whereas with Colleen and Wayne, it was very much like she's subservient. She's just there to support. Like they're just like cheerleaders essentially. I think the article you sent Sam about like how Baden Baden like essentially started a billion dollar industry in a lot of ways. And that's wild to think about that, that like this one weird summer 
where they were drinking champagne <laughs> in Germany well, also the turned last- into this like massive like capitalist mm, situation. Like also, I mean, I definitely haven't actually done that much research since at all, but I think 2007 or so is when Beckham goes to the LA Galaxy. And like, so I think it'd be really interesting in general, like what Posh's like influence and like the idea of like celebrity really beyond playing a sport was created in their minds. Cause it kind of became his move to LA really did like make him more of an international superstar. Like obviously he already was cause he was like Real Madrid. But I think that it was like almost like a retirement plan of like finding something else to do outside of soccer. Snoop Dogg had a family reality show at that time when he came over and he did an episode with Snoop Dogg and they went to Roscoe's like chicken and waffles together. They After, also like, he shot like taught the family how to play like soccer. Victoria and David had a documentary. Like they did like it was called like Coming to America. It was like Posh and Becks like in America and it was a whole thing. And she did a whole media tour, I remember, because she had her blonde hair at the time, like a blonde bob. And that's when bobs really came back. Uh, can I speak to the manager haircut? Like, yes. But make it fashion? But she, she was white women everywhere. Yeah. Like, she was blamed for him both stepping down as captain of the English football team and then also for him going to America. Relatedly, Variety reported at the end of October that they are set for a 16 million pound Netflix documentary on Posh and Bex. They seem to have a very nice marriage, like to be fair. They seem lovely. To what you said before about like the marketing, like the wags, just look at like Paulina Gretzky over here because Dustin Johnson has the deal to Adidas and they have the they have the rights to her as well. That's part of his deal. So everyone's freaking out about the green jacket, the green jacket, but that was so planned far in advance, like the green jacket on Masters, like final Sunday, like come on now. But yeah, like that was part of his, like the deal. She gets paid for that too. And like speaking of the Gretzkys, if we're going to talk about women getting blamed... I was also going to say moving to LA. Speaking of people moving to LA. Janet Gretzky took a shit ton of blame when when Gretzky got traded, especially because she was a Playboy bunny. We can bring it back to Wagatha Christie. I really see what's what's happening with Wagatha Christie is like a culmination of like over a decade plus of this crazy hoopla in the tabloids and echoes in the legacy of, of Bad and Bad and really comes back. And not just because Colin, Colleen Rooney was there, but also because then you have her in this situation, and I'm sure we'll like go through the actual explanation of what is happening, but her then being really upset about the selling of stories to the tabloids. And it's like this whole kind of weird roundabout situation that brings us back to like the origins of the rise of the of the wags all right i feel like we probably have gotten basics of it clearly we can talk about it forever but do you want to talk about vardy gate now yeah danny let's go colleen rooney wag to wayne rooney manchester former manchester united superstar england star washed up troll who now plays for dc united um so him and colleen met when they were 12 years old in school but um they didn't start to date till he they were 16. he writes about in his book called my story so far which came out in 2006. i read that for a grade 11 a 
book report, which my teacher told me I was not allowed to do a biography for, and I did and handed it in anyways. Still got to be. But um, so they're from, yeah, Liverpool. They met in school as kids. And in that book, he talks about how they um, had their first kiss at age 12 behind um, a church. And they uh, went to have their first date at age 16. And they went to see Austin Powers, a spy who shagged me. Wayne loved it. She did not. And she, she um, finished school at 16. That's when they officially started to date because they had to wait till they were out of school. And they um, started talking marriage at age 17, got engaged at 21, and married in Italy at 22. There was a fun little story in that book where he uh, talked about how they were from poor working class families. And on Colleen's 18th birthday, the Roonies and the McLaughlins had a couple too many bevies and kicked off. And Colleen and Wayne left in tears. Rebecca Vardy and James Vardy, they are kind of a different tale. They met a few years ago later in life. They both have kids from previous, previous marriages. And um, she was a club promoter. And he was at one of her clubs. And that's how they met. Who does Vardy so they, play for? Vardy plays for Leicester City. And what's actually really interesting about Vardy, he is a late bloomer, you could say. He won the Premier League's Golden Boot uh, last season, 2019-2020, and he was the oldest player to do so. And he uh, didn't make his international debut for England until uh, June 2015. He's not good so looking either. He kind of looks like a little troll as well. Um, that's a theme with English soccer players. They look like trolls. They aren't cute, but their legs are hot as fuck. So that takes us up and up to the case. So basically, uh, Colleen made the claim someone had leaked information from her Instagram account to a tabloid newspaper. And then she showed off her sleuthing skills and blocked all her followers, except for one, from seeing her Instagram stories. So that was to smoke out the culprit. And then she posted a bunch of fake stories, which later appeared in the sun. So only that one person could have done it. And who was it? Dun, dun, dun. Rebecca Vardy. And she... <laughs> Can we just jump in here for a sec? I really enjoy the fact that she did this basically by performing like a live allergy test where you like cut out everything else except for one allergen at a time. Also, but she posted this whole like long paragraph, like iPhone notes thing. Uh, And the important part is that it says it's, I don't even know how many ellipses Rebecca Vardy's account, which actually is important, but also her phrasing it that way is just the most dramatic way possible. Yes. I, I could read the whole Instagram post, but it seems... We'll, do it. Do we'll it. put it. Right. We'll put it on the Twitter. We'll put it... Yeah. Okay. We'll put it on the Twitter. But it's important to note, like, so she has two Instagram accounts. One is private, and this is the one where she was saying that stories were getting leaked. The public one is where she posted what kicked off what was then known as Wagatha Christie or the Rue Dunnett. 
which I think is very funny. <laughs> and Rebecca, of course, I denied this. She took to her Instagram and she said she wished Colleen would have called her if she thought this was true. And she said over the years she was following many people she didn't even realize on her Instagram and all this stuff. She also had a really long <laughs> Instagram post about it, which we will also post for you. After this, Rebecca quickly hired a legal team and she launched a forensic investigation <laughs> to find out if she had, anyone else had access to her own Instagram account. I don't understand why you need a forensic investigation. Like, can't you just like literally look up who's logged in yeah, to your account? They said they have to prove it's her. So Rebecca, wouldn't you know if someone else was using your Instagram? Like you had a team like you're claiming. And one of the, one of the funny thing Rebecca did was she did compare Colleen to a pigeon. <laughs> she said that, that would be arguing with a pigeon. You can tell it that you are right and it is wrong, but it's still going to shit in your hair. <laughs> Good old British sayings. This all happened in like October of last year. And so then fast forward, like through the summer, hires a legal team, launches a $1 million like lawsuit, libel. The lawsuit's for know. like libel. It and is for libel. She's essentially claiming that what happened with the case is that Colleen Rooney can't prove that it was actually Rebecca Vardy, but her post insinuated that, that it was, which is defamation, which then set off like, months of trolling death threats and all this kind of stuff and like was a threat to her well-being and so Rebecca Vardy was also pregnant at the time that Colleen Rooney did this and that was like a big thing and so this went into court and the first ruling that happened was the judge actually sided with Rebecca Vardy and said that Colleen Rooney's post because of the ellipses which were used to push forth this like dramatic tension or whatever, which everyone loved, actually led to the ordinary person thinking that it would have been Rebecca Vardy. And so that's not right. And so now Colleen Rooney has to pay 23,000 pounds to Rebecca Vardy, but now it's going to keep going. And what Colleen Rooney has to do in order to get out of, or I, I don't know, I don't know the language, Sam, to like not be guilty of libel or defamation or whatever is she has to now prove that it was actually Rebecca Vardy who did this. And that's like probably going to be not easy to do. Colleen did fire her legal team once in the process as well. And then hired a big fancy expensive London legal team. I'm pretty sure she so. hired the team that just lost Johnny Depp's libel case. doesn't look great, but anyway, I really enjoyed in the summer when people were asking Colleen Rooney for comment and the only thing she said was through her lawyer, Colleen feels that the time and money involved could be put to better use. Oh, also Colleen recently, a couple days ago, posted some family photos, Christmas photos of her and all the kids and Wayne isn't there. And for those of you don't, who don't know, Wayne has a history of cheating on her with prostitutes, hitting up brothels. He doesn't care, men, women, he loves it all. Um, and yeah, I was gonna say he has a history of philandering, but you just you just I went have, for it. I did. <laughs> yeah, any comeback season? <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> and yeah, and he um he re Colleen and 
Wayne have uh, separated a few times, and one of their last separations is due to two um, prostitutes. He was recently involved in a drunk driving scandal where he was in her car. She wasn't there, one of the girls, but um, he was in her car. So that uh, recently happened, and he's not in those pictures. Just a real healthy relationship right there. And she's losing the case now. Things are just not looking good for Carl Rue. This makes me think of that woman on Twitter who posted about how, like, women who are still single, if they're over 30, are either not interested or are bad people. And then followed it up with, but I married my high school sweetheart. That's what Colleen and Wayne Rooney make me think of. It also has that same energy of people being like, marriage has lasted so much longer in the 50s. And it was like, because people wouldn't leave when someone was repeatedly cheating on them. Or like, even before that, when people were like, you stayed married for life. I was like, right, but the average life expectancy was like 35. Sam, do you know how libel works in the UK? It should be the same, and what you've described so far is accurate. I like, I tried to read through the the ruling, and I, no. I mean, it's basically the same in terms of the tests and the elements, obviously, because it's common law and everything under the in common law comes from the UK. So the test is it's still slander versus libel under in defamation. So for people who don't know, and if I ever say to you, this is not libel or this is not slander on Twitter, it's because you're using it wrong. Libel is written and slander is oral. So that's the main difference. For the person, for Rebecca Vardy to win, she basically has to prove that the statement is untrue, that it specifically identifies or refers to her, which it does, and that it was published, which it also was. So it really only turns on the first one. So usually what happens is she has to prove that she can prove that it was untrue, but the defense is, the defense, the most common defense is that you prove that it's true, which is obviously difficult, or there are a number of other other defenses like fair comment or honest opinion, which is usually what protects journalists and opinion columns. It's also why you say things like allegedly. And then there's other, I think, statutory or like specific to the UK defenses that I do not know. I think one of them is it's a matter of public interest, which like arguably love, love for Colleen Rooney to argue that. Like it would be incredible. It is a public interest to the British people. I think we could really broaden the scope of public interest here. I wish so, this was broadcast on TV. Like, I would pay. I, I would, would pay per view. Like C SPAN, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really I good. I mean, I watched like, <laughs> when I had more free time when I was younger, I watched like the Jody Arias trial, like the whole thing on TV. Like, I used to love watching trials on TV. We watched Casey Anthony in law class in high school <laughs> because. What else is there to do but watch that? I read another article, and it's from the New Statesman, and it was a piece that talked about the kind of the uproar that happened with Colleen Rooney doing this. Like everyone, and I mean everyone, was talking about this in the UK. Like Keira Knightley was, like Paul Rudd was talking about it. There's just like it was all over everywhere. And one of the things that the article talked about was A, this came at a time like amidst Brexit and like just dark times for British culture. 
so there was a lot of craving for nostalgia. And one of the nostalgic things was <laughs> this weird tabloid scandal, golden age. And that brings us back to Baden Baden and like the real zenith of the wags. And they saw this as being like, this weird, like bringing us back to the more simple times of the early 2000s, which obviously there's a lot going on then, but it was really interesting to read and to kind of tap into the British psyche of why they loved this so much. And like Colleen Rooney became a folk hero. Like people were saying, like journalists were tweeting that maybe she should go into like 10 Downing Street, like their government to figure out where the leaks were coming from there. Like they should hire her, like all this kind of stuff. And it was, yeah, pretty wild. The reason that Wayne Rooney went to DC United was Colleen Rooney got a job with the NSA. I don't think if you knew that. (laughs) Jumping back to Rebecca Vardy's point about like, I have money, why would I need to sell the story? It's like, you're not only driven by money. Like one of the things that the British press does really well is actually pitting wags against each other. There was a whole narrative with, Victoria Beckham and Cheryl Cole about whether they were actually friends or not, or whether Cheryl was basically posh 2.0 because she was a pop star and she was like, she was dating Ashley Cole and there were so many parallels. And so I remember when they were in Bad and Bad and people were like, are they actually friends or is like posh just faking it? And there's a whole separate dynamic of wag versus wag. Like obviously that's also a toxic characterization of female relationships, but at the same time, there is definitely there are definitely rivalries between them like clearly they don't like each other so the other thing when we're talking about the bridge tabloids is for anyone who knows about like Hugh Grant's whole like it's called hacked off it was like the Levinson inquiry it was all this stuff about how insane the British tabloid press was like to the point where they're hacking into phones of like Sienna Miller they were like chasing her they were like bribing people there was crazy blackmail shit going on like it was nuts and I'm sure there's stuff going on in the U.S. and Canada that's like quasi similar but like not to this extent they actually hacked into the phone of a girl who was either dead or was missing and the family thought that it was a sign that she was still alive or something it was something like that but it was just Rupert Murdoch weird fucked up cronies being like we need a press story so when we talk about why Rebecca Vardy if allegedly she did this, yeah, she doesn't need the money, but it's also about like, she gives them a story and it means that they don't talk about her or there's like weird fucking dynamics with the tabloids over there. So she can say what she wants about not needing money. She's currently doing dancing on ice. Uh, Yeah, I don't buy that excuse at all. That's the best part of like British wag culture though, right? Like there's a reason that, and part of it is the British press's ability to make the wags kind of celebrities in their own right, even though it's done in a super toxic and misogynistic way. That doesn't happen here. Like, people just don't find North American sports wags as interesting. But if you look at, like, look at the cultural influence of the wags we've been talking about, like, we don't need to talk about Victoria Beckham, everybody knows, but, like, Cheryl Cole even after they got divorced, she ends up getting super famous, super sympathetic because she almost dies from malaria while she does a hike for malaria awareness in Tanzania, climbing Kilimanjaro. She releases a, during that time, 
the, the press is hounding her because she's dating Derek Huff. And I think it's also around that same time that she actually started becoming really good friends with Khloe Kardashian, who she's still really good friends with. After Derek Huff, she marries some like French billionaire. We can like forget that. But they end up getting divorced because she gets knocked up by Liam Payne. She gets knocked up with by Liam Payne. She was a judge on X Factor when Liam Payne auditioned for and the X like Factor. 15. He was like 15. That is some teacher-student shit right there, it feels yep. like. And also, this we cannot be talking about Cheryl Cole and not mention her back tattoo. Yes. Yes. She has like a giant back tattoo that's just like roses. And it goes from her back down to like back tattoo. It's on her ass. <laughs> it goes from her lower back over her ass down her thigh. Yeah, and she got it because when she was recovering from malaria, she's basically just like, "Fuck it, I want to live my life." And so she has this massive tattoo. And Liam Payne got a matching one. Plus, there's the whole Nicole Scherzinger thing where she and Nicole Scherzinger hate each other. Okay, well, we can't talk about her because I'm going to start talking about Lewis Hamilton. See? So funny. But look, you can like six degree her to You like can six anyone. degree so much. Well, because also we we're six degreeing back to F1 with Ginger Spice. Yep. But yep. we also six degrees back to the Canucks because the eldest Beckham spawn, Brooklyn, took Chloe Grace Moretz back <laughs> from Jake Vertanen. <laughs> Jake Vertanen went on two dates with Chloe Moretz. And she went, no, I'm going back to the fucking 18-year-old child. This man sucks. <laughs> like, what is the closest any NHL wag could come to that kind of influence? Nothing. They never marry, like, the star player. So, like, when yeah. Posh and Bex were together, it's like, because they were both, like, peak. But it's always like, oh, yeah, marry Mike Comrie. <laughs> and, like, Jarrett Stoll, like, as he's declining. <laughs> I truly believe that we could raise the profile of the NHL if Kendall Jenner just dated Connor McDavid. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I simply think she has dated an entire NBA, like, starting roster, essentially. All-star. We all know you're gay, Kendall. So just go date Connor for a little bit. <laughs> and Gary Bettman, hire me. Hire me for PR. I can get us more views. <laughs> it took until now for me to realize we could also go from Cheryl to Derek Huff to Julianne Huff. To Brooks Oh, like, God. I will not talk about Brooks like sex life. <laughs> like, the They're amount getting divorced. I know. I do not I don't need to hear know. about you and toes. Like, that the is. Toes was like so much. It was Ugh. so much. Also, it was like definitely like on the like front page of like us weekly yeah and i don't like, mean standing to in the shame. checkout line like trying we're not to live king my shamers. life <laughs> we're not king shamers but like i am it's in my face all the time like you have to have something else that's interesting that you can like promote about your life <laughs> come on there has to be some like other thing say my name say my name Instead of like a good game five players, I just want everyone to go around and say their favorite wag because it's what is more focused on. I will start. She is awesome in her own right. I watched a lot of Bring It On as a kid. 
like I've probably seen the movie Bring It On like at least 20 times. Gabrielle Union is my wagon. That's a tremendous choice. That's like the best choice. Her child. She's such a good mom. Is, has the funniest Instagram account. Really? (laughs) Just makes the funniest faces and they just essentially troll this child on Instagram. It's very funny. I can go. Mine is Shakira. (laughs) Because she's super hot and like is an icon in her own right. Again, she is the greatest wig. She's married to um, Gerard Piquet for people. Manchester United legend. <laughs> he played there for like two years. He started his career with them. Oh, Gabrielle <laughs> Union so is married to Dwayne Wade, who played for the Heat. He doesn't anymore. Yeah. But yeah, and she met Gerard Piquet at, I think the South Africa World Cup because she sang the song. Huge waka waka, somnida somnida, eh eh, waka waka, eh eh. Sorry, we did line That's dances. That's the cold open. <laughs> we did line dances to that in high school. No, I'm using the fish tits one. <laughs> give give me your wags. Let's go. All right. So my wag is Tiana Taylor, and you should know her from first and foremost from the Fade music video. Um, if you don't. Look it up right now and change your life. And yeah, she is married to Iman Shumpert. He played for the Cavs, which he's probably most known for. And he's um, on the Brooklyn Nets or last played for them. And yeah, Tiana's hot. She's a singer on Kanye's label. Kanye sucks. She's too good for that label. And I personally would like her to leave because I feel like they're holding her back. And like, she's even tweeted a few times about how they are holding her back. So. Something that I, like, don't like about Tiana Taylor is that she said that she doesn't work out, and I don't like her lying to me like that. You don't get abs like that? I have seen the Fade music video, and you telling me you don't really work out is offensive. My favorite wag, although she's technically not a wag anymore, is actually Cheryl Cole. I had, like, a massive girls allowed obsession and she is she's like she's just hilarious and as Georgia said like ridiculously attractive but also just has is like surprisingly funny which you would not expect and very much owns up to being trashy there's like there's a great clip of her on Graham Norton and she's sitting next to Michael B. Jordan and she just in live time reacts to how attractive he is. <laughs> and it's very good. <laughs> it's very funny. I think for Simon Cowell's 50th birthday, she had a skywriter fly around his mansion in LA. And all it said was, Simon Cowell is old. Haha. Before we sign off, we are also sticking on the English Premier League theme. And our 31 thought for the week is Hector Bellerin. But mostly, Hector, do you want to hang out? Do you want to give me your hand-me-downs? Do you want to dress me? Do you want to take me on a shopping spree? I'm not paying because I'm broke. But I would still like to hang out. Um, Let me know. I'm free on Saturday. Um, Just let me know. You can interact with us on Twitter and then on Instagram. We're at BroadcastPod, both places. And then our email is broadcastpod at gmail.com. 
if you want to talk to the, any of us individually or just follow us individually, I'm sports lesbian. I'm at Samantha CP underscore. I'm at Danny Huntley. I'm at Georgia Twist, but I made Izzy change my password again, so I won't be communicating with people until the end of December. Don't talk to Georgia. She won't talk to you. Also, we have a Tumblr. Um, I'm planning on trying to put, like, stuff we referenced in the show that's visual on there. But I keep meaning to do that and not doing it. All right. We love you a lot, and we love talking about dumb things like this with you. (laughs) We'll see you next week.